0: Hello, everybody. I'm Gym Class Hero. We are J Star G, hello, Dragon hello. T- and Dragon Tamer Blade.
1: What's going on, people?
0: Hope you're all doing well. Hope you guys are both doing well. All right. So, first topic, I guess, is we have a new expansion coming up. <laughs> what that expansion hype, the marketing has been, I could say, off the chain. This is a bit about the last podcast, so we're going to talk about things, not so much the marketing this time around, but maybe just kind of talk about the things they've done. Like the big one being Twitch drops. Now, Twitch drops have been pretty amazing. Someone was won uh, two uh, Twitch drops myself, 600 gold and 15k, you know, uh, gold gems, which for newer players, that is what we use to craft things. Craft cards, I should say. That's pretty huge, especially you know, if you're a new player starting out and you already get the 1500 soul gems. That is a legendary and some change left over. That's actually really nice for just kicking back and relaxing and watching a stream. Yeah,
2: and, and the thing is, and we can already see it making a difference. I mean, it's today, I think it was the first day that it has like gone live, and there was, I think, 600 people in Boom's Life channel, 1,000 people in S- or CVH's channel. Like, it, it is already, 24 hours later, making a tangible difference in viewership for Legends. It's huge. Absolutely.
0: Lead. what's your thoughts on this? Uh,
2: just from
1: watching, because... Oh, sorry. I, something's kicking off. Um, <laughs> so I watch CVH usually when I get home from work in between watching dinner or showering, and usually it's 150, 200 of us in there. Um, Basically, across the board, not just even on him on the top level, we've seen basically a 10 times increase in viewership to the point where even some of the lower channels that are usually averaging 10, 15, 20 viewers, they're up in the 50s and 100s. So it's been exponential just overnight, pretty much.
0: I noticed that myself. It was pretty insane. We had Snacksy, Bradford Lee, I think Cbh had a longer stream. They were all on, and then link Link. Somehow, I was able to pull 20 viewers despite... All the big names going on, so it's like it's huge. It's been amazing. Twitch drops is in fact exactly what this game needed. I'd
2: say. Yeah, it's either, it's either either the perfect edition, or Bethesda's really springing for those view bots for their for their community. <laughs> <laughs> hey
0: man, <right? laughs> hey man, else, if
2: it works, it works, right? <laughs>
0: <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be a crazy like flopping though? like all over yeah. the gaming news? Oh my god!
2: It's Breaking news PC gamer Bethesda Viewbots Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: would be hilarious, actually.
2: That would be some, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: man. Right. I mean, Twitch drops are amazing. Uh, I think.
2: I, twice as I, and I like Twitch drops. I really like what they're doing, but I I have a small argument with for Twitch drops or against Twitch drops. So I argue instead of doing that, like 1500 soul gems, 600 gold, like that's very generous. Especially because that's a good day, two, three, maybe a week of grinding to get those. And you're getting that in a Twitch stream. But I almost want to say, like, if you're getting that mm, once a day, wouldn't it feel better to get, like, 250 soul gems, like, five times an hour? Even if you don't get it five times every hour, but just like, even if they made it smaller, but you're getting them more often. Because then you feel like it's worth staying in streams and you're being rewarded more. And it's like, it's going to be really hard to switch back now that people are like, what? I don't get 600 gold anymore. But like, I feel like if they started in smaller increments and made the drop rate higher, it could be more successful. What do you guys think?
0: You mean almost like a loyalty system? The longer you know, maybe after the longer you stay, but like there's more frequent yeah, more frequent.
2: Drops. I mean, I just I, I've I've heard people most people I think have gotten two about two drops from, you know, one maybe from the Bethesda stream in E3 and then maybe one today. I don't think people are getting like multiple drops an hour. And I play other games that have Twitch drops where they're not as substantial prizes, but you're getting you know, if you watch a four hour stream, you might get one, you might get none, you might get four. But it's not like all right, I'm probably just got my drop for the day. That's an excellent point. That's That's what I'm afraid of. It'll turn into, I got my job for the day. I can get off Twitch. I don't don't think that's going to be the case, but for some people, that is certainly going to be the case if that's kind of the cadence that this is going to come in. So that's my only criticism, but overall, I think it's a great program.
1: It does feel like there's a cool down overall, though, because from the people I've talked to pretty much, uh, browsing the subreddit and stuff like that, I don't think I've seen anyone that's gotten... Um, maybe starting today, but going back to last night, I hadn't seen anyone that's gotten more than two drops. And obviously, up to last night, there was only two active days of Twitch drops. So it almost feels like once you do get your drop, it's almost like you're on a cooldown for 24 hours. I don't know if that's true or not, but it, it, it's almost—it might just be the—the the drop rate is that distant that it feels
2: that way. That that's that's what I'm afraid of if it feels like it if it's even if it's not that if it feels like it's that it's pretty much the same effect right if people think I get it once every 24 hours they'll leave after they get it
1: mm-hmm. especially right now it's hot it's new so people are staying just to kind of figure out the system I, I don't want people just if they figure out what the pattern is just bailing and having viewership just spike once everybody gets their drop for the day exactly
0: that is, that is, that's such an excellent point. I actually never thought about that. <laughs> I assume that, I mean, right now there's the hyper twist drops. I assume it would wear off, but I never thought about people just kind of do their daily drop. Leaving. But I guess the counterpoint to that is they go the whole day without the <laughs> drop, so I don't think many people would leave. That is they, true. They don't seem to be too frequent right now. I mean, frequent drops would be cool, or even maybe like a loyalty system the longer if you've watched with a cap, of course, with a cap, the longer if you've watched. Castle Stream, you are bored with something. A little actually, maybe tears. The first time, maybe if you watched, it could have to be ten hours. Of, if you if you actually sat down for a full ten hours, you get a legendary.
2: That would be so, interesting. Like, I don't know if I I don't know if that technology. I, I mean, I was gonna say if that technology exists. Like I'm sure the right technology, thinks. but like I don't know if if Twitch drops is that sophisticated right now.
1: Not at the I, moment, it's not. I was actually reading. I think it was. um, it was either Scapes or Solid Age replied to something on a subreddit that Bethesda wanted to actually either increase the size of your rewards or frequency for staying in the stream longer and longer. They wanted to reward you more and more, but it's not a function of the Twitch Drops API at the moment, so they weren't able to do it. It's interesting.
2: I like that thought process though. It it shows that they're not trying to get, hey, you know, come watch our stream new player, you get a drop, then you log into the game and you know, you get a starting point. It's more, hey, you know, we're doing this for the community. You guys spend the time, you play the game, you watch the streams. Here's your rewards. And I think that's a good point and one that I wasn't as confident that they were going to take to be perfectly honest.
0: Yeah, true. I know, they're doing some solid things with it. I think Twitch Drops, I think the verdict that we all agree is that it's a pretty solid thing and it's been open, but tweaking the system wouldn't be a bad idea.
1: I do also want to see where else they can go with it. I know Twitch Drops, obviously, it's a function of Twitch, so that's it's a pretty easy implementation on their part. But I'd like to see, not just because I upload mainly on YouTube, but I'd like to see them find a way to do something like a YouTube drop or reward people if... You played Legends for multiple hours today. Maybe reward people for actually spending time in-game as well as in stream as well.
2: Imagine this. I just I just had a thought. Imagine they expand Twitch. I mean, there are a lot of games that have, like, really in-depth Twitch integration. Like, the chat can contribute to the game, change the act. Imagine uh, a streamer jumps on and, you know, CVH is like, oh, Corey's on. I'm going to challenge him to a game. And in the chat, the people can... Bet in-game gold, so like they're, from their Legends account, say like, oh, 50 gold on, you know, CVH or 50 on Corey, and they get, and, and then the, it's all pulled together, and then the winning votes, it splits among them. Wouldn't something like that be really cool, like a way for people to get involved in the game? Maybe even like, they'd be able to pick the solo arena lane conditions. Like, seeing a Twitch integration like that, I think it would be a really cool step. And I don't know how easy that is to do. I'm sure that's something that they're probably considering they down the
0: road. Like that. Gwent actually has something similar where you can actually... Uh, the streamer can put a capture on the screen to, like, a, any source you would put on your ops. You'll be able to click where that was, and it'll register, like, a click. And almost like a voting system. I was watching... A streamer I card game player, Mega Mike, why I actually have that feature. He so said he put up his deck list with the feature and had us click, and I guess in, on his, and there's some sort of feedback on where the most clicks went. So, you know, I think that'd be great for like you know, arena streaming. Yeah, like uh, a arena. chat
2: drafts arena, exactly.
0: I guess people engage, people like that, you know, people like me feel like they're part of your know, streaming when you're talking. Like, I try to make sure to talk to everyone as much as I can. Engaged and they feel good about that, so they could be more interactive and actually pick the cards you pick to uh, play or pick the deck you or click on the deck. You know, that's a great interaction, a great uh, step in the right direction. I actually really like and, the
2: idea, and not I least. think it'll it, uh, so it'll drive engagement into in, channels because I'm not gonna lie, when I watch legend streams I'm usually doing something else like I usually have it on I'm usually kind of listening but I don't pay that much attention unless I'm specifically kind of chatting with the streamer through chat or somebody I I don't get that engaged in it so but having something like that I would sit there and I'd go through the draft and if, if I'm invested because I you know voted on the draft so I want to see how he does like I think it's it's the next step it's you know the twitch drops is getting people in the channels the integration is keeping them there
0: Absolutely, I think the whole, I think that it's nice, you know, you're throwing, a, the, the more stuff they add, the more people are engaged, like the one, you know, I think having more stuff for a reason to sit, like Twitch Drops is a reason, first the personalities of the streamer are a reason to watch the stream. Right? you like the guy, you like the style, point,
2: yeah.
0: and then you get Twitch Drops, which you can get stuff, and that's like, that enhances it, and now you get further interactions, which... I know Twitch has, it's a beta, I believe it's in a beta right now. I know they, they rolled it out to several streamers across different games. So that's good. Look, And I bring up Gwent again because I think sometimes the card game community may get, like, checked aside if it's not Hearthstone, but just to know that they're willing to kind uh, of point out, like, yeah, we're interested in doing, like, card games. So that's the next big step, and I'm pretty confident Bethesda will, is aware of that. They're already, they already have some sort of plan for it. Uh, from what the last weeks or weeks or so with the Steam release and Twitch drops and all that, I think with those, the is well where that feature and ready for it. Uh, your guys' thoughts?
2: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think with all the, like you said, with all the announcements, it's really kind of shown that they're going in that direction. One thing I'm going to be honest with you, I've been a little disappointed in is the lack of announcements around. Competitive scene. Uh, what are your thoughts on? that? I mean, I know they've announced the QuakeCon tournament. What do you th- what do you think about that being so far the only thing that they've announced, kind of for trying to create a scene?
0: Well, as the future QuakeCon champion now, but <laughs> seriously, uh, I think you know that's well lately. You know, I think it's kind of yeah, it's kind of a bummer, nothing competitive. But you know what? I didn't have the player base. You know, I I don't want to like. I think after the steam and, like, the twist drops, we're, we have a player base now. We have we're going to want to watch these tournaments. I think they wanted the viewership before they went into it as opposed to using the tournament to get the viewership. But, I, I,
2: I think my concern is that they didn't have to say, and on whatever October 10th or even, no, I'm sorry. Like not July 10th. You know, we have the big whatever scene show. Like they didn't have to say anything. Like this is what we have coming up. This is what we have planned. What they needed to say was, "Is hey, this is the future of the game. This is what the direction we want to go in. We want to create a competitive scene." To me, that would have been enough.
0: All right. One thing I just want to note: Blade uh, is actually having issues with his audio, so he's working on that. So if you're wondering why it's just me and j Star. Just adjusting, maybe a mic issue or something. But yeah, continuing on, after I know, I think now, like, for Gwent, you know, one big tournament spiked their viewership insanely. I think, you know, one big bethesda back tournament for Legends will surpass that even. Um, I think they're just waiting for the right time. I don't think it's coming out this year. I could be wrong.
2: I, I don't but. even think they necessarily need a big tournament, to be totally honest. I think they could do something really small with a set group of, like, Legends streamers or top-end Legends players. I think what they really need is they just need to... to I, so this is what I've been saying for a while. I guess I've said this on a, a, other times I've been on the podcast or on streaming. I think that they need to look at it at the 80-20 rule. is going to be the case, pretty much, for the Legends. of their revenue is going to come from 20% of their players, as I'm going to call them, the whales. So the people who buy 100 decks of cards, packs of cards, the people who buy every expansion pre-order or, you know, the story modes pre-order, those are the people that they're going to make the money on. They're not going to get that, that casual market that's going to buy a few packs here, a few packs there, because that's really in Hearthstone right now, because those people play because they want to play with their friends. Really what they need to do, they need to say, hey, whales, we hear you. We know what you want. You want a tournament scene. We're working on it. That mm-hmm. that would be good enough for me. But I didn't hear it. I was a little disappointed.
0: I, I think they're you know with E3, the whole E three going on and everything. I think they're working on it. But I can see them doing it. But I agree with you. Like for people who spend the most money, like I think everyone who stream most most streamers. I know has spent hundreds of dollars. Hundreds of dollars. I have CBH. I have. I've actually asked so I didn't feel so bad about spending so much money. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, I've, spent, I've spent that.
2: I've spent over hundred dollars on this game easily.
0: Like got two hundred something, maybe a little more.
2: Um, I like, don't even remember. Yeah. I haven't spent it in a while. I have all the cards right now, <laughs> but a while back I spent a lot of money on
0: the game. Yeah, game's super generous. <laughs> That's the beauty of it. You know, and I think tournament scene. But what kind of? I mean, for me, tournament scene. I think I hope it, the first tournament's not an invitation. Well, if that makes sense. I'd like to have I... some sort of leaderboard that you can earn points towards maybe a separate ladder even without 2 out of 3 or, you know, just general ladder points. But I'd like to have some kind of system that mattered versus just, hey, I'm going to invite these names because I think I want to give anyone a shot. You know, you're going to get all these competitive players coming over who will try to learn the game and understand the meta and maybe even try to break the meta and make their own decks. So I don't want I want like it to be open to, you know, hey, if you have enough points at this cap at least sixteen or whatever or maybe more players. Your, your thoughts?
1: I mean, part of it is I'm sure they're gonna have kinks to work out when the time comes. So I wouldn't want them to try and do a full on invitational right off the bat anyway, because if they try that and it falls flat, they might not be able to recover. So I'd even be cool with something like They take top 64 legend from one month and just kind of do a bracket-style tournament from there and just kind of just get a feel for how the format's going to be moving forward, see what's working, what's not working. We don't need to throw $200,000 or whatever as a purse prize right off the bat. I'd rather us take time to really work out the format, make sure we're going about it in the right way, and then once you've gotten all that figured out and you've had some practice tournaments, then host the big thing, hopefully the player base have grown by then, and then you
2: can go all out. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I understand. Uh, I do. I just... Just tell us something. <laughs> I mean, it's... it's uh, and the reason I say this is because this is not... Um, we, uh, the community has been asking for a hint of this since I, probably about, I would say, like, October, November, I think is when we've got a stabilized, okay, there's a top 50 players that are probably the best in the world. And we all kind of have a general idea of who's up there. I mean, when I've run the tournaments, when ESL runs the tournaments, consistently see the same names there, it's the same as the top 100 legends list. I would argue, I would. So I, I, like your idea of opening it up. Don't do an invitational right away. I think if you're going to start that process, you need to start that process sooner than later. So there can be, it can be well thought out. As you said, the kinks can be worked out of it. My, I have a, I don't think doing it from the legend, the. Top 100 Legends ladder is the is the way to do it. I think there'd be a ton of pushback from the community. I think I've seen, in my experience, I've seen a, a good bit of difference in skill level based on ladder and in in a competitive like a tournament.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, Because ladder variance is a big issue, I suppose. I feel like considered almost maybe a Rumble Arena esque with either multi deck formats or even well, not maybe not Rumble Rumbles. There Rumble Gauntlet's already. That was a separate gauntlet that's maybe the qualifier gauntlet, where you take a deck, you either have a, you pick out some cards for a sideboard, you do two out of threes, or even a multi deck format. Just, I think gauntlet really opens up just this, you know, this like uh Sorry, I should have worked, man. <laughs> so tired. But anyway, uh, I think you know, gauntlet opens up this whole, you can have, like, it was actually spoiled by, P, uh, by PDMD. An error showing the leaderboard, so they're interested in having a leaderboard. So, having a separate gauntlet with a leaderboard that you know, you get a multi deck format, maybe a conquest format, or sort of just got there with a sideboard, you know, separate from the ladder, more of the proven grounds to get into the tournament. I think gauntlet would be the answer there, perhaps. I mean, there's ways to go about it, but yeah, something that can uh, mitigate the ladder variance up a lot. Do you guys find someone agreement with that, or any opinions?
2: So I, I agree. I think Gauntlet's a step in the right direction to start defining that. I think that if they there are the way the Gauntlet stays right now, it'll be very difficult to use that to create the sort of qualifier. But I think it's a step in the right direction, and I think it's pretty minor to tweak it to to fit that need. That being said, it was I thought was something you said was very interesting about sideboards. And I have done so, I, if if all of you don't know, I run the Elder Scrolls Champion Legends Champion series, which is we've been running tournaments since August of last year. So we've probably run about like ten, twelve tournaments. Most of what I've seen and the feedback I've gotten is to be careful for sideboards, because the thing is, sideboards benefit a few decks and don't benefit others. Mm-hmm. I think so. Uh, I have. I'm, I'm looking for it i had somebody write me something specific about sideboards um i asked some people who had played in their tournaments for some feedback and i'm trying to find it but uh, in, in the what regard pretty much what they said is, is there are certain decks like a merrick like what are you gonna switch out or throw in like that deck's pretty s- set where for control if you know you're playing like a scout you might take out your fireballs or something for a control mage or you know so there there are certain decks that are benefited way more for cyborgs. so that might skew the competitive scene towards those decks and i found that really interesting i thought that was really pointed feedback and i thought it was really well thought out in a way that i had not thought out that running the tournaments so what are your thoughts on those
0: cyborgs? interesting because it's really dependent on the size large of a sideboard and honestly I would say mage just dominates every deck because tailored to be any just about that's kind of the same way how I feel about that is you
1: take a, a deck um there's certain color combinations that just don't have the tools to be as flexible yet. So if you have a large enough sideboard you could theoretically even if you only have one deck you could go in with something like a, a pretty decent archer skeleton and no matter what you're facing you can that into a super aggressive archer or even a control archer, a super greedy archer, just depending on flipping a couple cards. And like you said, Mage is a very similar class where they can do something like that. Um, There's some other cards that just don't have that or some color combinations that don't have that same flexibility yet to where if you wanted to bring one of those decks, you'd be at a severe disadvantage versus some other classes.
2: So I found the feedback that I got. That's pretty much exactly what it said. It says you can take, like, an archer or a mage deck and make it from mid-range to control really easily. But if you're running Prophecy battle mage, what are you going to do with that? You're not going to tech anything out of that. So I thought that was really interesting feedback, and that's pretty much what you were just saying.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, Sideboard enables things to be... It could be a good thing to have, but again, like like I said, mage, too big of a sideboard, mage literally does not against anything. You can be a more greedy mage against a scout player, against a really aggressive deck, just teching all your prophecies. That becomes a problem because then people are going to have to play decks that can... It's going to be only the decks that can be changed that much. Of course, I mean, I guess, like, I can see uh, the Merrick checking against mage, going from more of the combo-ish style to more mid-range. We haven't seen it in a few months, but there's a Black Blood Dragon version, but it's just... I think a multi-deck format is a superior format, as we discussed this. I just think just having the Conquest or Last Man Standing works better in the situation, because you kind of pick your decks and you can't tech your deck just to crush everyone.
2: Now now I want to go back to, to sideboards for one second because I just had a, a counter-argument to my earlier one. Do you think adding the sideboard would enable different w- – would we see different decks than on ladder that people create specifically that can be changed in different ways, something that we like never seen before, like a convertible scout that can go really quickly from mid-range to – I don't know, maybe that already exists. But uh, you know what I'm saying. Are we going to see something sp- – like? Brand new, that'd be like, oh, that's really interesting. If you flop five cards in that, it totally changes the deck.
0: Something I've never seen before on ladder. That's the interesting thing. Sideboard doesn't. No, on
2: ladder. With the sideboard into like a tournament, that's you right. wouldn't see that on ladder. Right, right, right. Exactly.
0: You wouldn't see this on ladder. That's what I'm saying. Like, mm-hmm. that's a good point because people could now tech their deck. Oh, let's see. Scout typically has a rough time versus really fast decks before you can get all your stuff out. Uh, now someone could tech their deck with maybe like, you know, something you'll see in Scout is a Skulk Curse kind of deal, you know? You could tech earlier cards.
2: Right. Maybe. Like, you could take your Odiving out against a Crusader, if you want, and throw in, you know, I don't know, another Fighter's Guild group.
0: Exactly. Like, you could actually tech it specifically. Yeah, I think a lot of things that would work a tournament deck versus a ladder deck is, would be very different things, because sideboarding cards that normally, like, on Ladder, you know, it's a good mix of decks. This is the optimal for what I'm seeing today on Ladder. So I'm trying to beat... I'm seeing 60% of my games are Control decks. I'm trying to tech toward control. By I won 60% of my games, I climb. So, on the tournament, though, I'm trying to beat this specific deck now. I need to tech my cards around and crushing this deck. So I get, you know, sideboard. If you're a scout, you're probably a pretty okay in your Control mirror. So you probably... Your sideboard probably is a little more concerned with the more aggressive decks out there that you can't really hang back and wrap up in big creatures, fast strategy against because they're going to kill you too quick. You can start playing cards you normally want to play. I think you know, that is the beauty of a tournament setting with a sideboard. So That does enable that as well. So there are two good points there. Good the counter arguments with each other. And Blade, what are your thoughts on that?
1: I do think the sideboard format is something that will be more and more of an option as our card pool grows. I think where we're at currently, if we tried to do something like that, I don't think it'd be so much drastic different decks. I think they'd wind up being more um, more of what we're used to seeing, but with some more tech choices thrown in than we're used to. Um, just because at the moment, there's so many cards that are... The, the colors just, for the most part, have staples. Um, whether you're running... An aggressive or a control list if you have blue you're going to probably run three fireballs, three lightning bolts if you have yellow you're probably running those three javelins there's so many staple cards at the moment you're just going to kind of have some tech choices thrown in there um, i don't think we have enough variety to really see those super flexible lists besides like i said in those couple colors but i do think it's something that we're getting close to being able to pull off better
0: absolutely I was thinking, like, something, because like, speaking of weird sideboard decks, though, like, one thing that's popped to mind is taking Jab out for Firestorm might be insane, but against Agro Battle Mage, uh, Firestorm often would just be a better card. You just typically don't put it in because you're not seeing too much Agro Battle Mage that day, and it won't help, but being able switch that up is nice. I think there's a good point there. But other tournament formats when you come outside of sideboard. J-Star, I know you run a lot of tournaments, and you're really into it. What format do you think would be optimal for Legends?
2: So we run Conquest, and that was based off a few different trials, um, a lot of feedback, and then pretty much we just picked it and stuck with it. But so far, we've seen a lot of success for that. We A lot of people really like Conquest. Occasionally, we get the people who are like, "No, oh, Last Man Standing would be so much better because... I lost, and, you know, <laughs> so... Could <laughs> you
0: take the time to explain those formats for the viewers? Really sure,
2: can? sure. So what we do is, for, for our tournaments, you have to bring two decks with you. Uh, they have to be two separate classes, so you can't bring, like, a mid-range mage and a control mage. So you have to bring two classes of decks, and then what you do is, you, a, each round is a best of three. So you have to win with both decks. That's what's called the conquest format. So you have to win with both decks. Now, if we were to do Last Man Standing, it would be the same. You would bring two decks, but if you lose with the deck, you have to play with the other deck. So if say you lost the first game, you would have to win two in a row with your other deck. Now, we think that Conquest is probably the more strategic and the, the easier one to just kind of slip into for people who are new to the competitive scene. I mean, you, you bring your decks, you got to win with both. If you win with the first one, you got to play the second one, and then the other person gets to choose. It's kind of a comeback mechanic, too, built into the format, which is something else that we liked to keep it kind of even. That way, you know, you don't lose the first one, and your deck is still a bad matchup against whatever else he has. Or it's just... it's. I think Last Man Standing is a lot more punishing than Conquest, so that's why we chose that. Um, I think we... That was about all we've tried. We haven't done Swiss. Um, ESL does that, and theirs is a best of one Swiss. And I've heard a lot of negative feedback on the best of one, not on the Swiss specifically. And the way Swiss works is, you pretty much you play against somebody, you know, the first round, and then half of the, everyone's one and zero, half is zero and one, and you just keep playing against people with your same record until you lose three times, and then you're out, or until the end of depending on how many people it is how many rounds. Mm. And then the there will always be one person at the end, I think that's whatever X and O. And that's the winner. I, I so I've never run, I have played in them. So that's my understanding of it. I don't I can't go into I guess more specifics on that. So that one's more of a anybody can go against anyone. It's not a bracket format. So you don't have a specific path to the win. You just gotta win every round. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's almost like a round robin tournament where you play everyone in your pool. But this one's more of a bracket
2: setting, isn't it? Yeah, we've always done it bracket style. So we've always done single elimination, best of three. And then for ours, actually once we get to the semifinals, we make it best of five. But you still have the two decks. So the way you do that is you have to win with both decks. And then, once you've won with both decks, your opponent gets to pick their matchup. So let's say you've gone up 2-0, and you have a Control Mage and a, I don't know, a Merrick. And they think that their whatever deck they want to play matches up better against your Control Mage. They get to tell you to play Control Mage. If you win, you've won the series. You have three wins. If it comes to 2-2, if it comes to the fifth game, you both pick your own decks blindly. But we, the reason we did that is because that we thought was a fair way to do a best of five with only two decks and kind of conquest. It gives a comeback mechanic, and it doesn't—you don't get punished for falling behind. It makes it I'm interesting. It, it, we did it that way. It also makes it interesting streaming-wise too. And we cast those games, which is why we switch them to best of five and then add that kind of extra layer. That
0: actually sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like, I like that style. Like I hope. I like to someone, because like, people like to watch and combat. his name is
2: John Cena! <laughs> yeah, we originally came up with it kind of as a compromise of sorts. Like, we wanted to do best of five, but we really couldn't figure out, like, the best way to do it. And then I, I think we just were like, well, if we do it this way, then that person has the advantage, or do it this way. And then we figured this way, yeah, the person behind has the advantage, but so what? When it comes down to it, it's even on the, the final match that matters. So it, it just kind of keeps it interesting and, you know, if you're it's not always picking a really bad matchup. I mean, you might have brought two decks that match up pretty well against both of their decks. You know, So it's not always a, a hindrance, I guess, to the person ahead.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, think- I do like, in general, the best of three thing, just because in that Swiss format, I could tell you from, from my perspective, um, or just in a general player perspective, you could be the best player in the world, and if you're playing any kind of tournament where one loss and you're out, we're playing a card game, Um, So bad draw is incredibly common. Um, So basically being eliminated from an entire tournament just because the cards didn't draw your way one game would be a very demoralizing and frustrating way to have to get basically kicked out of a tournament for not even being able to play.
2: I'll give you an example. I was playing in a tournament um, a little while back. It was just a small Swiss tournament. I think this was before ESL kicked off. And uh, I was against Boom's Life in the first round. And Boom's Life is... 100% a better Legends player than me. No doubt in my mind. I mean, he's a top consistent Legend. He plays a lot more than me. He has a lot better decks. I was running a, for fun, a Silence Warrior with, like, Imprisoned Death Lords and, like, (laughs) Siege Catapults. And you know what? I hit. I had an Imprisoned Death Lord silence on turn four. And I won. But, like, for booms, that's ridiculous. Like, I mean, it was hysterical. He was streaming. Like, we're fr- Like it wasn't a big deal. But, like, in a real sy- scenario, with real stakes online, could you imagine? So that's one of the reasons we keep it best of three. Because then, you know, if it was best of three, he would have come back and kicked that deck's butt the next two games. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was a terrible deck. It was just, you know, had that one really fun combo, and I hit it.
0: Exactly. I mean, that's a variance of card game. Sometimes you... Draw the nuts. Sometimes you joke, you don't. That's the break. That's, that's why I think a tournament should account for variants of what you draw and what happens. And I think, yeah, this multi-deck format, multiple matches are the way to go. Sideboard is just, is a possibility as long as it's, it's cautioned. Like, like I said, a large sideboard makes it to use to tech against it, and some decks will have a Oh, I'm, not,
2: I'm not inherently against sideboard. I just have some reservations. I think it would need to be tested pretty heavily.
0: I would love to some test turnings or tests uh, if they, from Bethesda to see if they can get some feedback or even the other piece of survey themselves do what you wanted. But let me ask you guys a question. Do I have these formats sideboard, conquest, and standing. What do you think is the most fun to watch? I'd say the way you describe conquest is probably the way to go. that'd be the most exciting because especially with you know picking your opponent's deck, i think we have something like that would be you know it makes a little more you know high stakes especially for a person who's like down 2-0 and you want to see the game keep going especially like a finals game you know
2: yeah exactly and we found that that's a pretty fun way to do it now we've had a lot of different kind of matches that we've streamed we've had some that were 30 minute 3-0 beatdowns with aggro decks, and I've had some that are best-of-five control mage mirror matchups that literally go on for like an hour and a half. <laughs> I've streamed both of them. It's just... It depends on the kind of the decks to make it interesting, but I think Conquest is probably the most interesting, because you have the intrigue, it's not the best of wine. it's, you know, he's gotta come back and win this, or he's gotta win this to take over, you know, you can... I think it's easier to cheer on your who you want to win in a Conquest and be more invested in it than some of the other ones.
1: I do like that the Conquest mode doesn't take the deck out of your hands until you've succeeded with it. Um, because th- I, I haven't taken place in any of these tournaments personally, but here in the comparison between Conquest and the the, the last deck standing or whatever it was, um, you could basically, let's say my best deck is Control Mage, And I may take Control Mage, and you may pick whatever is a terrible matchup for my deck. If I lose that first match, I'm losing my best deck right off the bat. And my Control Mage may match up great against your other decks, but now it's eliminated from the tournament, just basically, not quite a coin flip, but we both chose something, and I I chose wrong without really having knowledge of what you were choosing there. Um, So I like that the Conquest Mode, yeah, I may choose wrong right off the bat, but my best deck's still in my hands. And I can ride that to, to victory or to defeat if I want to keep riding that deck. Um, obviously, if you win, you have to switch it up. But I like that you don't take the deck out of somebody's hands
2: prematurely. I, I agree. That's And that's why we went with Conquest. So to give you guys a little bit of background, I had zero background in card games and competitive card games before I started running the tournaments for Legends. I came in knowing, like, I follow some other esports, some MOBAs, but like, I have like a really traditional sports background. So I think I came in kind of with a different mindset than maybe some other people who would come in and run these tournaments. And I just thought to myself, like, why would you want to lose a deck that you lost? Like, why not be able to use it again? Like, that just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't sound like fun or fair. If you lose your best deck right off the bat, then what do you do? You might be like, oh, I know I'm in trouble. But in Conquest, you're like, I can always come back. I always got a chance. So to me, that's why that is more exciting.
0: Absolutely. So I think I think we've talked about the tournaments that we'd like to see. And we have some awesome, an awesome discussion about that. I actually enlightened myself about you know I thought maybe a little more open, a little, a little open to sideboard. But maybe we can make our own. They can make their own format. Hey, combine the two. But that's the time for uh, with us to decide. <laughs> oh, we got some revealed cards. That's it's like. <laughs> Uh, they're they're getting bold and I'm getting very excited for uh, some mechanics so I guess we'll go let's see i have an article i'll try to link this all in the description of the video and for the viewers let me read the article
2: really quick uh, I think i already beat you to it
0: nicely done I'm posting it anyway at a pride <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so let's see on top of this you know' unrelenting force so <laughs> here's our newest kind of me- Shouts that evolve when you put three copies in your deck. Every time you draw a copy, it's stronger. Uh, Runting Force, for instance, is a three cost card that's almost a weaker ca- level one. Is actually a weaker cast out, mm-hmm. uh, you only it's only a three power or less creature. Will cast out anything and it's prophecy. However, level two uh evolves and now you can summon any creature, so it's about the same as having cast out in your hand, and then three. Being able to cast out all creatures in the lane, great, and this mechanic, this evolving mechanic, we kind of saw it with Schemer, actually, we follow the Dark Brotherhood expansion where every time you draw it, it gets a bit stronger, and they...
2: So, is it when you draw it, it gets stronger, or when you play it, when you it play gets it. stronger? Okay. You have to, yeah, play it. So you can't just like be sitting on three unrelenting forces that are all of a sudden unsummon entire lanes. You got <laughs> to play one, know. then play the other, and then okay. I just because if you could do that, that would be uh, oh, that'd be something else. <laughs> <laughs> stall
0: the game until you get all screwed
2: in. And yeah, it's like he's got three cards left. I wonder what he has. Good thing I have a full <laughs> board.
0: Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> no. But I think that uh, that's just such an intriguing mechanic that like that power building it's thematically it's beautiful because it's like talking the key, you know, the words of power in uh, Skyrim, Dragon Shouts, and I think gameplay perspective that's a very fun mechanic, you know, especially for like, if you play some slower decks, being able to draw something like this, probably fit in the combo mid-range decks too, which is nice, giving them more tools and diversifying what each deck can do, it's always been nice. I'm really excited about this mechanic. I can't wait to
2: see more. Now, I thought I read somewhere that this was a keyword mechanic, and I don't understand how that would be the case. Unless if a card gets buffed by shouts, that's a keyword. Because I, I think that was in the... I want to say that was in the original Bethesda article that said mm-hmm. the new keyword, shouts.
1: I think it's classified by that bar right above the description text. It says shout level one.
2: There's so the pretty like there. a
1: keyword because um, I'm assuming with this expansion, they're going to have some sort of cards for fishing shouts from your deck.
2: But so they had yes. to make
1: shout a keyword because they couldn't just say fish an action from your deck. So I think that's what they mean by
2: keyword is this is a distinct type of action. I that see. That makes a lot of sense. I,
0: think I was
2: really excited to add shouts to my keywords deck. <laughs>
0: think given uh, as much from before but giving keywords to actions diversify the game
2: so, we'll so here's here's another thing interesting because um, I went back to find that article and it says one of the new biggest new gameplay changes in heroes of Skyrim is the induction of a couple of new keywords, namely the shouts so it sounds like there are other keywords that are coming mm-hmm. have any of the other cards that have been announced? mention any other keywords, or is that something that we still haven't gotten through?
1: Um, there is that... I lost the link to the article, but the, the battle in the sky, or whatever it was, battle for the mountaintop,
0: duel I think they're the counting world.
2: battle as a, a keyword now as well. Oh, the duel atop the world. Yes, it is bold. That is a good point.
0: Now, that's interesting. If there's a card that, when you summon it to the field, it picks an opponent. How you know, it has... It's almost like a pilfer, but battle... battle.
2: It's almost like a swift strike is the way we were kind of thinking about it, that you can use it to attack a second time.
0: True. I wonder if it's uh, you. You play a picture battle, and you pick an opponent's creature against the the fight, which is nice, especially for control.
2: Well, this 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 one specifically targets the opponent's most powerful creature. Yeah. So in this one, you don't get to choose. So I wonder if that's going to be a. Part of the mechanic, you know, maybe one of them says P- "battle any creature," or if it's always "battle the most powerful," or "the weakest," or you know, "awarded creature," or "battle stealth creature," or something like that.
0: Would be excellent, you know, battle. Yeah, I think that's that's where they're going. I think kind of like pilfer is pilfer, then the text afterwards, the battle, then the text afterwards. So battle in uh, cover.
2: Pilfer, pilfer is not a keyword, though. Fun fact. It kind of is, but it doesn't... Add. So so when I think keyword, so the the reason I think this way is because it's the cards or keywords that specifically get affected by Battle Reeve, which gives plus one, plus one for every keyword that's on a creature. Pilfer does not give plus one, plus one for that. So it is a mechanic, but it is not that sort of keyword. So I wonder if a battle sounds similar to Pilfer. It probably, if a creature does a battle something, it probably doesn't count towards, like, the Battle Reef. It's probably not one of those kind of keywords. Same thing seeing, with Shout.
0: Exactly, yeah. it seems like it's a kind of Pilfer-esque... Right. I guess we can't use keyword, we would say effect.
2: Yeah, they uh, used the keyword in their article, but I think you're right. I think effect is probably a better term for it. So, like,
0: which is exciting, you know? It's always nice to get some more uh, effects like that, because Battle seems like it'd be sweet when you're getting those annoying creatures in the Shadow Lane, having something to clear those up would be fantastic. Uh, and I think this is cool. I am looking forward to other things. Actually, this article does list other card. It doesn't show the card it, art.
2: It does. And actually, speaking of new mechanics, it does. there is a new mechanic that is kind of talked about in some of these cards without the card art, and one of them is uh, a hand buff. So one of these, it's when you summon it, you can give guard to a creature in your hand. And that's something new. That's something we haven't seen where a playable card affects a card that is in your hand. Okay. So I think that's a, a interesting mechanic. And that's something that to my understanding, though I never played it, is something that's in Hearthstone.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that's a great mechanic buffing cards in your hand doing them effects. And we already see kind of the intera- further interaction for the interaction with Raffasithos from the Dark Brotherhood. The expansion actually has this interaction where once played for a one turn increases all the uh well, the mana cost in your opponent's hand. So, and the added in let's see, they're adding. I'm really excited about more interactions. Hand graveyard interaction, skeletal dragon buffing all creatures. Oh yeah, Rezzing thing is fantastic. So this expansion gets <laughs> me really excited with these you know other ways to interact. Always kind of.
2: From what we've seen so far, do you think that, that graveyard, the Scout Graveyard deck has become the most affected so far, the most interesting that wasn't really possible before?
0: Other reanimator type decks? I, yeah. Um. See, I'm waiting on a Skeletal Dragon on its own, and now 8 mana, 5 5 guard, upper creature, and draw a random creature. Could be pretty good. But, you know, my feeling is. It's balanced by RNG almost. It's kind of like Black well, World Necromance. You I mean, may pull off Odeving. More, well, so just... You bring back Odeving. might bring a 9 9 Odeving nonetheless. Right. But you may bring back, you know, a. He's going to recruit, which isn't bad, but around 8 9 man, turn 8 9, the effect may be limited for your 8 mana 5 5. But it does give 2 2, and it does combo with other dedicated decks. Right. So, now, b- imagine
2: this. You got, like, let's say you're running Scout, and you run Cliff mm-hmm. Racer, and your Cliff Racer got buffed 2-2 in your graveyard. You Gravesling it, it mm-hmm. goes and it goes gets shuffled back into your deck. Is that now a buffed Cliff Racer with the 2-2 that you get to play when it comes back in your hand? That one, that's a curious interaction. I would imagine so, because it's gotten buffed, and it didn't get discarded already. It got shuffled back into your hand as it was just played. Right? I now, didn't... you would have to get to the bottom of your hand again, because it, it doesn't get shuffled back in your hand. It gets put at the bottom of your hand. I mean, of your, your card pile. Mm-hmm. So you would have to go through your whole deck to kind of figure out the answer to that question, but I'm kind of <laughs> curious on that. <laughs>
0: Because this draw, this because the deck dragon does not summon the creature. It actually draws it back into your hand.
2: It it only summons when it last gasps.
0: Which is another thing.
2: I don't right. think it summons them. No. I think it just
0: places a card in your hand. Exactly. You still have to
2: play the new card. Oh yes, you're right. It doesn't play it on the board. It just draws it. You're right.
0: So this is this is why I'm a little skeptical on this card because it's not like it's straight up summoning a creature. It's putting it back in your hand, so you'd have to play it again, which is not bad because it's now. Plus two, plus two stats. So mm-hmm. chances are most cards are now above the curve.
2: And and it's not like the other thing that makes that more difficult because because the fact that it's eight cost makes it so it's you're more likely to have like five or six cards in your discard at that point. So mm-hmm. it's more random what you get. It's not like it's a three drop and it's like all right, I know I'm going to get a Fighters Guild recruit or a you know a cunning ally. You know it's not like that. You know it's like all right, it could be five things. It could be a Blood Magic Lord or it could be a you know a dragger. Draugr, whatever, however you pronounce that word.
0: Oh, exactly. So some, uh, in Scout, you know, I'm looking at Warrior 2. Um, I think, you know, Falkreath, I think the dream would be this. And after it buffed everything, uh, Falkreath Fire into Rage. To summon all my buffed up units. Of the field. Yeah, that
2: that would do it. <laughs> so, that'll, that'll do it. <laughs> right, so that's my game winning combo there. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Do it.
1: The real key, or a much more pull-offable one, or one that I, I do pretty often, is multiple sanctuaries up with your Defiler and or a Nightmother. What I'm seeing for Skeletal Dragon isn't just the, the, the buff, it's if you play Skeletal Dragon and it winds up dying, you buffed your graveyard. If you can swing with a Defiler and have a couple Brotherhood Sanctuaries out, you can pull that Skeletal Dragon back out to still buff your graveyard, and then pull cards of your choosing back onto the field. From your discard pile.
2: That so is, where I good think point. the card's
1: really going to shine.
2: That that and it's not a unique legendary, so you could play two of these, three of these, mm-hmm. keep cycling them. it's a real snowbally card if you can up, have anything yeah. stick. Yeah, because imagine you have like two sanctuaries out. You have a defiler. You pull two of these back out, and then you pull a night shadow. Your night shadow is then what? Because um, it would have been buffed eight, twice. Eight, seven, you would pull it back oh. out. It would no. It would be plus buff plus, four, plus, oh, be four Plus right? eight, 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 eight nine. It would be 14-13. Oh, yeah. Oof. Now, to play two of these, to bring them both back out again, to get the... Uh, that's a little bit... But, I mean, if you play it turn 8, turn 9, then you play you get the Defiler combo turn 10, and they're guards. They're probably going to go away pretty quickly. I don't know. Sounds a little snowball-y.
0: All right. That's, uh, that's potentially awesome. <laughs> this card, you know, I mean, I guess suppose... If you're doing a, re-animator, a dedicated reanimator tile deck, you don't even have to worry about the last grass as much. That's just you no know, extra, you know, bonus to the card itself. But really, you want that summon effect, which you always will get because it's a summon effect. So they can't stop, they can silence you and stop your last grass. But if you're, you know, doing a graveyard kind of thing, you don't have to worry about that. And I think that in itself really exciting, actually. Yeah. So let's see what else we got here. How uh, we pronounce this? Brian Jol? Brian Jol. Oh, oh, that's a Y. It'd be a, Bryn, a, Bryn,
2: I think it's like Brian Yeah, Yeah, Brian something
0: like a Y in that. Brynjolf. And this made me really happy because they are supporting current arch- archetypes as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: A pilfer monk is one that currently struggles on the ladder, um, and now having something that synergizes further with that, giving granting a rap effect even. So, Jol. I uh, want a friendly creature, let me read out what it is, it's a 5 mana 4, 4 drain, friendly creature, pilfers or drains, in plus 1 magic at this turn. It's pretty awesome to give some ramp to pilfer to get your bigger creatures out, go faster, or if you're in the position to flood the board, flood the board. You know, I'd like to test this card out with something like uh, Torvo Crook, and Master of Thieves.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Torval Crook, man. So imagine you play, well, I guess this is a five drop, so you would have to play. Well, let's say you play Torval turn four, then you get this turn five, and you still have your Torval up with a, you know, maybe you put the Thieves on three. You have two, four, six, seven. No, five, six, six plus. So that makes it, if you play this on turn five, and you have Torval Crook and the Master Davis, you're at 11 for that turn. You have 11 mm-hmm. magic, could have used that turn. <laughs> Which means you can then play all your cut purses and your whatever the three two one is. I always forget the name of that one. And then you know, you can play your all your other pilfers. And then if they can't get rid of it, you know, game over. Exactly.
0: You know, like I guess this lets pilfer put more pressure, which is just great. You know, it's kind of an aggressive deck. So aggressive deck being grants the power to more pressure. And maybe mid-range monk can be a thing. I tested that myself, actually, with the new monthly card that came out. So this would be green. In that deck be able. So I may be more willing to toss in the Puffer cards now.
2: Okay. Can... Hear me out on this. This is going to sound ridiculous, but I'll explain. You know what's a really good synergy with this card? A Jack. Now wait. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Wait, what? Why is that? Okay. So, I have used a Wabba Jack. So, I, I don't know if you know this. I, I, I like the Wabba Jack. I keep track of every time I use it. So, I've used the Wabba Jack 1158 times.
0: <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> okay, this guy Wabba Jacks.
2: Of all of the cards besides the Sweet Roll, the Torbell Crook is the one that has come up the most times. Hmm. Now, it's come up 11 times, which is like, what, 0.01%? But still, or 1%, whatever it is, it's still the most common. No other card has shown up more than nine times. And that one showed up 11. So I don't know if that means, like, Torval Crook's the most common card that you can get from Jack, but from my large sample size, for me, it has been. So, I mean, you have, like, a 1% chance to have a super good synergy with Brynjolf. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta <laughs> go for a high roll, and high roll That's what I'm saying. I mean, you can hit it. It's possible. <laughs> the next turn, we we'll another creature and get the uh,
0: Master of Thieves, and then you are just... Go. Or
2: the Protector of Main, and you just... Oh, game over. <laughs> and your
0: opponent just like, you know what? I think I'm done playing today. <laughs> yeah,
2: Probably what I would do, just like uh, delete System Thirty Two at that point.
0: <laughs> yeah, precisely. Like you know what? That's enough legends for a little walk off. But yeah, I think that's eleven thousand times Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, What? I'm a fan of Wabbajack. What can I say? No, I'm not going to lie. Not every one of those has been, like, me using. Like, if I'm playing against somebody with a Wabbajack, I'll keep track of theirs, too. So, like, Chaos Arena is really nice for that. But, yeah, I mean, I have a a log of... And I keep track of every card I get. Now, fun fact, a Wabbajack gives you an epic or legendary 43.82% of the time. Ooh. And it only gives you a sweet roll about 3% of the time.
0: All right. (laughs) <laughs> All right, that's. <then> <laughs> I don't
2: know. Just fun fact for the day, just thrown into the card show,
0: show, your, show your statistics. I think people would love to see. I think
2: I, I think I have. I think oh. I, I posted on Reddit at about one thousand, just to kind <laughs> of you know right. say, hey, this is a thousand, you know. And, and then I post on the Discord every once in a while because people always ask me about it.
0: I love you some data. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next card. Land divided. This is interesting, um, so for those who, it's an 8 mana card, fill the left lane with Stormcloaks, right lane, uh, it's Stormcloak Aggressor, and right lane with Colvian Troopers. Uh, Colvian Trooper being a 2-2 guard, um, we don't know what Stormcloak Aggressors do right at the moment, but I saw this card, and I think about token decks, I kinda like this card, and I like the fact that they're supporting tokens, and...
2: This is definitely the sexiest token card I've ever seen. (laughs) No, I'll tell you what I'm going to guess Stormcloak aggressors do. I'm going to guess they're 2-2 charge. I think that would be a little bit ridiculous. Maybe they're 2-2 breakthrough. Maybe they're breakthrough.
1: I'd lean more towards
2: breakthrough. I think 8 damage straight from hand would be a little ridiculous. Maybe they're 1-1 charge. What would you think of that?
1: That I would believe. If not, then why would they make a brand new 1-1 one, one token with charge when we have fire brands.
2: Well, yeah, I guess Firebrands would actually fit into that. Um, well, because they're red. You know how to get a yellow one, but I mean, they're Nords. and I see your point. Yeah, I don't think they would do I that.
1: think they'll do something to differentiate. If they want to go charge, maybe they go 1-2 charges. Or 2-1. Um, one. yeah, ones
2: Or to say Like
1: a 2-2 two, two with breakthrough or 3-2 with breakthrough. Probably more than the 2-2 two, two side, just for the
2: it cost the body. The of it. Well, it's probably, yeah, even with the troopers. Troopers have guard, these have breakthrough. I could see that.
0: 2 2 battle.
2: <laughs> They're man. Oh, you mean you're stuffing your. It's just like a, you know, like a, whatchamacallit, a uh, Imperial reinforcements on steroids. Instead of 1 ones, you get two twos for double the Magicka. Two, two. And both lanes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> 2 2 battle. This way, take out that guard in the way, kill him next turn. <laughs> oh, wait one said, people say, uh, chat's mentioning that Stormcloak's being 3-1s. But no, 3-1 may not be too bad. That's Mm
1: -hmm. pretty decent on the board if you can keep that board alive past that turn. All all I gotta say
2: is, because of this card, they have to, they have to buff the Spider Daedra. I mean, because this is just a better Spider Daedra. Yeah. So they give all the spiders charge on Spider (laughs) Daedra. Yeah. Um, <laughs> GG. Make, make it a 10 cost, give them all charge. That's it. I'm a game designer. I've done it. I like
0: I it. Yeah, it's that, that green <laughs> game ender. She designed, even she has charge, too, just to end the
2: game. Yeah, since I'm the only one who ever uses it, you might as well just throw me a bone whoa, here. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Matt's <laughs>
0: oblivion with an entire deck around. But...
2: That is true. That is true. So, okay. I've do. I I've been a big proponent of the spider Daedra since, like, early closed beta. Just saying.
1: If if we get a couple more bodies that can silence, I could see Spider Daedra not ever being great, but being more than trash at some
2: point. See, I'll argue with you that it's already great. It's just misused. I mean, it's 18 damage out of hand for 8 Magicka. It's It's just that that
1: last gasp that kills me.
2: Yeah, I mean, you can silence it, or you can just, you know, pray. That's what I do.
0: (laughs) It's like... If they can't kill my Spider Daedra,
2: I win the game. <laughs> you know what the best way to get keep the Last Gas from going off? Jack the head Daedra.
0: That is true.
2: <laughs> yeah, then then you can't lose them. Yeah, see there you end Jack, best card of the game. Oh yeah, <laughs>
0: Wabbajack OP friends.
2: <laughs> I run all my decks with fifty one cards, fifty plus a <laughs> 50
0: plus... <laughs> Can't cut anything, but can't cut the Wabba either, so we're going to... Can't uh, cut the Wabba.
2: I was doing 50 with the Waba, but then I was like, nah, I can do 51 and do real decks. Okay. That way, when I share my decks, I don't have to explain, well, you can switch out the Waba Jack, if you really want.
0: <laughs> but I was a fan of this card, I must say. Just because I wouldn't run it as a three 3-O, maybe a 1, maybe a 2-O, but definitely a 1. I think token decks, when you're on turn 8, a quick reload card... Let's fill the board up and like go for that final hurrah push. Fantastic.
2: Yeah, I think this is really good too. If you're trying to flood the board and then you have like a let's call them a Legionnaire, you need to heal up. You know, if you have a good board. You might lose mm-hmm. a couple of them. Throw in a Legionnaire, you're healed. You got a stacked board. You're gonna win the game.
1: Plus, you gotta assume if you're playing tokens, you're probably playing something like a spell sword. At turn eight, you probably have a divine fervor up at least one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if you manage to have something like a bruma armorer or the, the fifth legion trainer, and you drop these things, and you're getting uh, if you have a bruma armorer, you're getting um, yeah, four yeah. three threes plus your divine fervor buff. Like, there's some ridiculous
2: things you can start have happening, and uh, like a stone too.
1: Mundustone half um, of them
2: get charged, drain. Yeah,
1: the, the lion strategist, you can give them all ward.
2: Oh, god! yeah, this is, this. Is, you know, it's a token card, but it's a pretty solid token card. There was It, a... Fill, it fills a top-end need for token that I think was only really supplied by, like, a Bone Daddy, but I think this is a, definitely a needed card besides the Bone Daddy for the top-end on the token.
1: Yeah, they need a, a late-game reloader to go along with Colossus, just because yeah. you can't always have them, and sometimes they get wiped. You need something else.
0: Awesome.
1: Yeah, Colossus, that's
2: what I said.
0: <laughs> Honestly, uh, there's a grindy Imperial Knight spell sword deck that was like more controly. I'd love to try this in. <laughs> you know, this uh, a token control deck. It was it was played quite a few months. I know Sweetie and Bradford Lee played it. I think that this card could you know kind of revitalize that because one side the Shadow Lane being filled with guards is fantastic, Then having your opponent have to play against three ones. You don't care about trading, and if I have a Necromancer Amulet, I'm healing for one every time I go through one of those. So I, so even if you know, it's like
2: or a Grim Champion. Don't forget that. Ooh. Oh, jeez, yeah, yeah. That would be really fun to play with the three guards next to it,
0: mm-hmm.
2: or a Disciple of nemira There are a lot of cards that this can go really well with, actually, but especially with the guards. This is almost like trying to set up trades that are favorable to you, with the Necro Amulet, with the you know, Grim Champion, Tullius. You can do some really good stuff with this card, I think.
0: Moving on to I think we have this card. We are getting past that hour. So we're going to go a little over. I'll try to get the... We may do I may have to do some more uh, card reviews for the ones without picks, but let's do the get to the last two that were revealed. Uh, we have College of Winterhold and Ulfric. I guess we'll talk about Ulfric first, because he kind of goes with that new mechanic of Shouts. Ulfric's uh, Stormcloak is a five mana, six five guard. I killed in Skyrim, now, but breakthrough when you play a Shouts. Uh, when you play a shout, draw a random Nord from your deck. Uh, I like that Nords are getting some more tribal synergy. I hope that uh, the other you know places also get this. But, you know, he's a red card with Nords, so i you know, Grand Crusader would be great playing a shout and drawing deck thinning adding to your hand an aggressive strategy. Fantastic. I think this card and synergize with a new mechanic also just is great. And what would you guys think of that?
2: Here's my concern I think Dragon, I think you said this earlier that somebody said, I think Mirakhan, there will be a shout for each uh, class. Mm-hmm. Or for each color. So if there's one shout for each color, does that mean for him to synergize, it has to either be that unrelenting four shout plus whatever the other one is in the deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's three magic. I mean, you got to play this, and then you could play, I guess, two of those the next turn. I mean, it's just... I think it's decent synergy, but, I mean, you could be trying to cast out a card to get that extra Nord, but, you know, it could be something you want to trade with Breakthrough, or might not be something worth casting at. And honestly, you're going to get your Nord Firebrands, like, five times out of ten. <laughs> Drawing them through through Ulfric, it's just that's the way it's going to be. I don't know why, it's just every time RNG <laughs> is going to give you those Firebrands.
1: So that's where I think I'd use them, is to not rely on the random. So, it, like say Control Crusader ever becomes a thing. I'm having Ulfric in my deck to make sure I can pull Marrok, because he's such a late-game finisher. If that's the only other Nord in your deck, your shout's guaranteeing Marok. Or if, if you're, you're something gonna... more mid-range, you can pull Hafengar Marauder, guaranteed, if you want to. Oh, Christ! Yeah,
0: you can't what, what? pull Marrok with this card. Isn't he? He's a
2: Nord. <laughs> yeah, you're going to pull Marauder with this card. You're going to pull some good stuff with this card, but I can't imagine tacking a deck where you only pull a specific Nord, because if you're running strength deck, you're going to want Nords in it. 'Cause you're gonna want I mean even Crusader, you're gonna want an East March Crusader. That's a Nord. You gotta have that card in that deck.
1: You can even pack it just with the good ones though. East March Crusader, Tears Powder Maroc. Yeah. No matter what yeah, you that,
2: get, it's good. There you go. That's that's that works for me. And then um what is the um whatchamacallit? What's the six drop? Um gives you the two cards when you're ahead. Is that a Nord? I can't remember. Yeah,
0: Jarl. Jarl is a Nord. Jarl.
2: Card. There you go, that's their last one.
0: I put Jarl, Jesus. That's annoying, this, especially with this card being aggressive, stand 6 5 Breakthrough.
2: Yeah. Uh, or if you're you aggressive, play...
1: you can play your Relentless Raiders, too.
2: If you haven't gotten them yet. Yeah, there you go. So you can play this, you know, play a Shout, clear their board, use 6 damage, play your Jarl.
0: Shoot their... Oh, my God. I don't know what to do. Shoot their card back to their hand. Draw a damn Raider. Throw the Raider down and smack
2: them. Yeah, there you go. That's, oh, man. Too bad they nerfed the OTK Raider. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, man. I guess the design space wouldn't allow it. But all Honestly,
2: right. with, with this card they, that, that is now very necessary. <laughs> oh, because people would totally use Ulfric to draw the Raiders to get guaranteed lethal if it was the other way.
0: Alright. That's legit now. And now we can move on to the final card we're going to talk to you and uh, kind of wrap up our- College of Winterhold. I must say, before I say this was my favorite quest line in all of Skyrim. And I'm glad to see it's a card. Not sure where to make the card. College of Winterhold, five mana card, three uses. Well, I'm sorry, five mana supports, three uses. Activate, reveal three random, one cost actions, draw one, then increase the cost of the cards so this reveals by one. Now, initially, when I read this, I was really excited because I thought it was pulling it from your deck. But you could thin your deck out as well as mm-hmm. you know adding however it is in fact completely random so that makes it harder to build around and it could be support but it's in blue and i mean when you try to generate value in a blue deck i think there's enough there you know if i want a schemer tome dagger fall this could be potentially in maybe an action assassin list when you just want more actions or something Mm-hmm. And then I'll th- I'll turn five throwing this down and losing template. I'll
2: tell you points. why I don't think this would work in Action Assassin at all. One word. Fireball. Imagine this. You have a hand with cunning allies, fireballs. You play this. You don't even select it. It just gets revealed. Does that mean all your fireballs are now two cost? No, it
0: That's doesn't, it it, it doesn't increase, on the tech. It doesn't increase the cost. So it you... says
2: increase the cost of the cards. This reveals by one.
1: Yeah, so next time you'll you'll reveal a two cost spell. It like will turn your one
2: cost into a two. cost Oh, spell. of course. Duh. <laughs> so, I told, so never mind me. I read it wrong.
0: <laughs> that just be a horrible card.
2: That's what I was <laughs> saying. Is... I'm like, that's so much anti synergy with Fireball. Like you're gonna get screwed. I mean, I, I yeah, okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so I still sorry. think it's
1: a minute card. Action Assassin probably could value it because you want to pull some cheap actions. Um, to try and finish with your Hex Mage or something like that. Um, the one case, and this is an incredibly fringe case, so I wouldn't count this as being, quote-unquote, the meta, but if you manage to lay this down and survive for a couple turns and then you lay down a, I think it's the Tower Alchemist, where you don't have to destroy the support, and you can start grabbing four, five, six cost actions, that's where this thing can shine. But obviously Tower that's Alchemist.
2: a... Also, um, uh, Mage's Guild Retreat, because you're mm-hmm. getting the cheap ones, you know, guaranteed. So you're going to get those astronauts.
0: Support Mage,
2: Dream. So yeah, Support Mage. I'm down. Sounds like fun. Actually, not going to lie, I've run support decks mm-hmm. before. Usually as Crusader, though. Because, um, God, you just if you're running the which call it, the Mystic, you're drawing supports, you got to have Gladiator Arenas, because, you know, why not? <laughs> so I run it usually as Crusader, but I'll definitely switch to Mage for a card like this.
0: I'll give it a shot. I think the fact that at one saving grace for it, before I completely bash it, is it does reveal three cards to choose from. So, I mean, the percentage yeah. of getting, like, a Shadow Shift or even Blackmail, something you want not so bad. I've there. checked the one
1: cost. There's only, like, 10 or 11, and more than half of them are good. So you have a good chance of drawing your Firebolt Shadow Shift. Um, some of the worst ones are something like uh, imprison. Which even isn't terrible, but that's basically yeah. low-rolling this prison.
2: card. Arrow to the knee, um, <laughs> rapid shot, even those are decent. Like, those are all situational, sure, but that's the thing. You get the choice. So you could say, oh, I really need a shackle. Good thing there's an Imprison there. Yeah,
1: and if you're pulling three out of a possible 11, if shackle's what you need, is that if that's your out, you have a decent chance of finding Arrow to the Knee or Imprison because you have three out of 11.
2: Yeah, I was studying at the College of Winterholm, then I got an Arrow to the Knee. <laughs>
0: Exactly. Let's see. I'm just waiting for the dream of on two mana, put it this and you just get three Moment of clarities as your choices. Oh, <laughs> so you yes. just, endless cycle of picking your two mana.
2: So you, moment, you get a Moment of Clarity and then your Moment of Clarity gives you another College of Windsor Hall. So then you can just keep doing it. So then when that next one gets to two, you get another Moment of Clarity and then, okay, I like it. I'm a fan.
0: <laughs> Infinite College of Windsor Halls.
2: Too bad you can't Wabajack a College of Windsor Hall.
0: <laughs> so we're studying hard, boys.
2: <laughs> All right, the Wabajack and Jizargo, though. I'm looking forward to seeing what that card's gonna be. Oh
0: my god, Jizargo, I love that guy!
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, that guy's the best. All
0: right, <laughs> so I think we are solid here. We touch upon the bases, we as well got to some cards. The thoughts, uh, J Star and Draen Tamer Blade. I really appreciate you guys coming out. Were there any final thoughts you may have had?
2: Well, I wanted to, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, if you all don't know, I've helped run the kind of currently on hiatus to Elder Scrolls Legends Champion Series or uh, TCS. You can find us on Twitter or on Twitch at TESL Champion Series. So give us a follow. Definitely
0: do that. You can link it in the uh, chat if you'd like.
2: Oh, that sounds like so much work, though. <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right. Fair enough. And, and Tamer, can any final thoughts.
1: Uh, again, thank you very much for having me uh, Dragon tamer blade on the youtube's dT blade on the Twitter um, again I had, this was fun. It was my first ever podcast so I'd love to do it again sometime. hopefully it swings back around my way
0: for sure for sure thank you for joining me. Uh, I will be linking their both guys' information in the uh, YouTube video and this weekend, I plan to take some time to rip the audio and is on some feeds again. Thank you all for listening and those who join us live. We will have a great day.